You have joined us for Making a Mark, Making Places. I'm Louise Puck. And I'm Anna Danielson. Our guests today are telling stories of their work as immigrant artists in America. The podcast is produced by the Institute for Immigration Research at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, with support from Radio WGMU. The Institute was established in 2012 to provide the public with objective, nonpartisan, original research about the positive impact immigrants have on our country, economy, and communities. Learn more at www.iir.gmu.edu. In this episode, we are speaking with visual artist Josef Hapte and musician Ernesto Bravo. Welcome, Josef. You are a painter born in Eritrea, where you were a full-time exhibiting artist and a teacher after studying fine arts in Ethiopia. Uh, I just want to thank you for this opportunity. Uh, for, uh, it's really a great opportunity for me to share my story with you. How did you get your start as an artist in Eritrea? It took me many years to be an artist. I mean, not to be an artist, but finally just to make it as a full-time artist. Uh, I've been to school uh, in Ethiopia for a year, but still it didn't give me the confidence uh, to be a full-time artist right after the school. One morning, I decided to be, uh, I woke up just and I said, I'm going to do a show. Because I want to see myself like uh, if I do a first show, then see the reaction and how am I doing it. And that may give me a glimpse just to be a full-time artist. And it took me about three uh, months to prepare about 30 paintings, uh, uh, very busy months. Then in my first show, it was it was a very successful uh, um, show. Uh, I sold most of the paintings. They were not that expensive, but I sold most of the uh, um, the paintings, and uh, uh, I got the confidence to be a full-time artist. You told us you had never been overseas before you came to the U.S. How did it feel getting started here? For any artist to start a full-time art, uh, to be a full-time artist is not easy. So when I came to America, I know I'm going to have a lot of challenges that is going to be, uh, as an immigrant, that is going to be an emotional process, a psychological process. Uh, every, every day, every minute, your, your mind is busy. You, when you speak English, you're busy picking up all the words, thinking about the grammar, uh, wondering if the other person is understanding you. When you go on the street, you have to know where you are and you have to be very conscious where you're going. So your mind is always busy thinking what you're doing, what you're talking about, something. And you wonder if you have to change a state, if you have to change a place, where you're going to find a job. There are a lot of worries. So you don't feel settled. When I got the house to live in, I rent a house. Then I found uh, a convenience store just two blocks away from my home because I don't want to lose a lot of time commuting. So I found this job. Uh, so I have a lot of time at my disposal to do my artists. That's why I did my first show after about 10 months after I came to America. 
So now that you have a full-time job, you can support yourself and continue building your art career in the U.S.? Uh, so after after the communist start, uh, I found another job. So that uh, that settled me financially. So even I even if I, I don't have time as much as I used to have when I was in that convenience store, but what I discovered that because I feel settled now, in many ways, uh, and I find kind of integrated too. So even if I'm not in my studio doing the artist, but my mind is working like looking. Uh, trying to catch uh, something to find the inspiration. I'm not busy trying wondering what I'm going to do, if I'm going to do it, find a job, or am I going to settle it, am I going to make it here in America. I don't have to wonder about these things. So feeling settled and integrated, it helped me get inspired easily. So I'm hearing that you have slightly fewer worries now so you have more headspace and heart space to be to be inspired and to actually physically work on your artworks that, that's great you you find the words for me thank you so <laughs> well, thank you to Anna you are listening to making a mark making places You paint street scenes and other scenes you see in public. What inspires you? I believe that uh, what art helped me is like the curiosity to discover things. Because once you start painting, you, you want to see the depths of whatever you see. If you see a building, then there is a second level to that building. You want to see the philosophical part of that building you treat it as uh, not only as a building, but as kind of a face. Like if you see a person and you can say he's smiling, he's happy, he's, he's, he's in a good mood, he's in a bad mood. So if you see things, then I treat them as an expression. They have their own character, they have their own uh, expressions. So that helped me to discover things, to be curious in things. Uh, I remember that I, uh, at early age I started like at home. I opened devices to see what they're inside. I damaged a lot of radios at home. I had a lot of problems <laughs> with my family. So why did you touch this? Why do you open this? And I was always curious. Um, so I got a lot of punishment, uh, punishments for that. When I ca- when I first came here in America, uh, the first thing I did was I bought a bicycle. I didn't have money, uh, enough money to buy a car, but and I didn't have my driving license, so I bought a folding bike. So I've been everywhere with my bike, even in winter time. So I think the artist part is like you see me everywhere. Maybe that's part of me that, as an artist. How would you describe your work? I started as a watercolorist. Uh, I didn't even know about collage painting before. Uh, I love the watercolor because when I started uh, in art school, that was less expensive, uh, and I used to do a lot of sketching outside. So watercolor is very convenient to do that kind of art because you can carry them in your bag, and they dry so quickly. It's very convenient. So I started as watercolor, and 
I love the watercolor because of the flow. Somehow I love it. I can express why I love it. And I was good at it, I think, because two of my uh, second and third shows, they were watercolor. But still I was searching something. I was good at aesthetically. I was good at it. But I was still uh, searching for something more something to do with me, something I could express it easily. Uh, that's, and, and I found out that I, I love strong colors, and I couldn't do that with watercolor. Uh, watercolor are very soft colors. Then that's why I shift. I tried acrylic for some years, but it didn't work for me. Only when I tried collage, I, I found the perfect medium for me. It sounds like you were looking for both your your style and also your voice. Yeah, this, what happened is my 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 paintings are more more or like figurative, realistic painting, and I want I want to put a little abstract in my painting. Collage happened to be the perfect medium uh, for that because you you have the image you want, and you, at the same time you have all this piece of magazines, newspapers, a lot of pictures and writings and texts on those papers that can, that can serve you as, uh, uh, as an abstract touch. So it helped me to give my painting just an abstract touch. You brought one of your pieces with you. It's brightly colored decoupage with watercolor. Older women in colorful skirts and white shawls over their heads are sitting on the church doorstep in the late afternoon sun. The women's facial expressions are muted. This this image is uh, uh, it's a common image if you're living in my country. This image is is more of an emotional connection than the aesthetic part uh, of that image. Uh, this elder woman. Uh, they are sitting at church gate. Uh, it's, it's late in the afternoon. So what they, they do is after they have done their daily chores, so in the afternoon they go to church and at the gate they chat, they gossip and things like that. Uh, in my culture, we are like big family. Like every family has like five, six, seven children. So the women and the women do most of the job in raising the uh, children. So they don't have any time to do other stuff, explore life and reflect on life. So, but when they got older, when all their kids are grown up, then they have the chance to go out and meet with friends and uh, reflect on life uh, and share their stories, their sorrow and their happiness. Mm-hmm. So. Every time I see this woman, I can, I can see from their faces the way they see it, the way they see each other. Uh, you can tell the story, uh, how their life was. Mm-hmm. So I try to get that emotional connection in Princess. I, I just have one follow-up question. Sometimes I will have a, an image. I have an image from my past that... that is strong a strong memory like this like a, something that i've seen in public and i look for the the parallel image or the, or the sister image when i'm traveling or in another place where I, you know i've moved 
at ha- have you seen a similar scene emotionally a similar scene um, since since you've made the U.S. your home? E, more, uh, yes, kind of that. But more than that, in my first show, many people, when they saw this picture, even from America, Americans, they loved uh, this painting, and uh, this is the one I I sell more, I think. So I can tell that still other people, other cultures are connected to that. It, it it opens a door for them to some image they know, some memories. Uh, so there is a connection even with other people. If I have done it, uh, if I have done it an American way, I, I think I would have. I'm cheating the Americans too, because I'm not giving them something new. Uh, so it's like cheating too. So it, it's good that I'm doing it my way. And people are appreciating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it opened my eyes to to be confident in myself. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It has to be me. Thank you, thank you. This is Monica Gomez Isaac, executive director for the Institute for Immigration Research. I'd like to personally thank you for listening and making your understanding of immigrant contributions to our society a priority in your daily routine. At the IAR, we believe the conversations surrounding immigrants and immigration shouldn't be based on rhetoric or falsehoods, but rather factual, unbiased evidence resulting in productive understanding of our communities. If you believe accurate information is important to educating the public, please like us on iTunes or leave us a comment. This truly helps others to learn about us and the work we're doing. Please also consider supporting us with a contribution by going to the Give button at iir.gmu.edu. Every little bit counts to provide programming like this. Thanks again for choosing to be a part of this conversation. Having spoken with painter Josef Hapte, who arrived from Eritrea just over two years ago, We now turn to musician Ernesto Bravo, who came to America over 20 years ago. Many occupations fall under the art category when we look at quantitative data. According to the American Community Survey, there are 312 immigrant artists who work as visual artists in the D.C. metro area. What we also know is that there's 517 immigrant musicians in the D.C. metro area. Ernesto, you are one of those musicians brightening our area. You brought your love of music to the U.S. from Chile. How did you get introduced to playing music as a child? My first exposure was when I was uh, eight years old. My father um, showed me um, a record of uh, one of the uh, musicians in Chile. Uh, his name uh, was Victor Haram. And when I was um, listening to his music, I was eight years old. So I was amazing about hearing those um, beautiful sounds of the instruments. Um, later on, I learned, you know, um, the, the tragedy of life of this um, uh, beautiful composer. Um, I figured it out music is is not only entertainment, but it can touch, it can change, it can have big influence on people. So that was my first exposing, and later on, at the school, um, I was part of the uh, uh, choir group, um, um, and so 
all of those um, days on elementary school and, and high school, I was um, involved with venues of presenting my music. At that point, it was just playing something from the uh, Chilean folk, um, uh, famous music at Chile. You had to change your lifestyle quite a bit when you decided to visit the U.S. and ultimately to move here. Can you describe some of the emotional challenges of getting settled and how your music was a part of that? When I moved to the United States, I was taking some class in in a school as a second language in the morning and in the evening. And, and at the same time, I was, because I didn't have enough English, I had to do um, basic uh, work and those days, there were really important work. I was um, uh, helping the waiters in one restaurant in Washington, D.C. I was a busboy, so I had to deal with completely different um, areas. Um, um, language barrier for a lot of um, immigrants. They had to be facing uh, religious uh, um, situations. They are more deep in their culture. When I uh, moved here, um, one of the first uh, privilege I lost is to sleep in on bed. I had to be uh, sleeping on the carpet, but very comfortable corner. But um, it, it, it was um, something new for me, um, and I, I figured it out. And at this point, I building myself uh, day by day. That that was uh, pretty much uh, the experience. When you moving from your for your home land, um, you get homesick. And music, it was um, a therapy to some point. At the beginning, um, remind me, uh, the music I used to play over there is a lot of Chilean folk. um, And music, it became um, a companionship. You told us that you made a big decision to move to the U.S. after your first visit. How did that feel, moving here permanently? And then how did it feel becoming a U.S. citizen? Uh, when I became citizen, um, and I talked to a friend of mine, uh, he's American, and born here, um, and with his family for generations here, so of course, he says to me, you know, the difference between you and I is that you choose the place to live. Well, I know the United States is in my country, but you have choose. And that is, he say, it's made me very proud to be your friend because you choose to live in, in my country. Um, you could have choose to live somewhere else. But um, at that moment, I, I, I took a little bit of responsibility the, uh, how much an, an immigrant can have an impact in other people too. Um, as an immigrant, is um, I feel like you have to feel. I don't know if you had to. Um, you feel inside that you have to work uh, very hard because you are have um, present something that uh, most of the community haven't seen it before. And for a while, I was mentioned this melody is coming from here. There is this culture. This something I'm going to be playing is coming from. I had to do that. That when I have to travel to other places, um, I say I born back in Chile, but I'm coming from the United States. I, I have been, you know, so many scenes I had learning. Uh, living over 20 years here, it's impossible not to have um, your experience, your life, your memories, your heart, and your uh, your kid. My daughter is, is growing up here. I, my kid is, it, it, I will be defending 
as as much to protect my family from any um, any harmful. Um, so at that moment, I say, you know, when you protect your family, yeah. you are loved with your surrounders, your family, your friends. So. Yeah. You are listening to Making a Mark, Making Places. You said that you play in embassies and retirement homes and charity events and in private events. What music do you like to play for people? Um, after the second song playing guitar, uh, you just pretty much if you're going to be sound the same for the rest of the 45 minutes um, it's not going to captivate in the people switching instruments switching um, telling a story about the instrument telling um, uh, stories about the poetry on the uh, that particular song there is every uh, there is a history behind for every piece of melody I play and some of them um, uh, with the composer they are being 45, 50 years ago, some piece of melody that uh, are older than myself. <laughs> so pick up those melody and transform it and, and, and put it to people uh, to listen is 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 the challenging part. So I pick up some sound um, with different language and, and and they mean something very nice and uh, translation uh, of that uh, nice poetry and I. I figured it out, and so that's basically is is a lot of, uh, there is a combination for all of the something you were mentioned. Since you arrived in the U.S., you have learned instruments and folk music, you said, from different parts of South America. Which instrument have you brought with you today? The roots of this instrument is from Bolivia, and as a Chilean, I try to do my best. And this unique instrument, as you see, um, during the dictatorship in Chile, it was prescri- uh, prohibited to play uh, because previous to the dictatorship, it, it was born the new um, Chilean song music. And this instrument was very popular. And, and people bring it up music, um, uh, poetry, and a, a lot of messages. But dictator chief figured it out that music is can be uh, something they don't want to be part of it. So this instrument was um, uh, persecuted for somehow. Um, it was uh, prohibited to any person play this music is because have um, um, uh, it, it was against the government to that dictator chief at that point. So he had his political. Uh, point of um, living too. This is a powerful, powerful, instrument, right? So, are people playing it today in Chile? Uh, yes, today they play in Chile, and and coming back is is something to um, even today um, something very unique. I. I really enjoy this instrument because you can do many things with this instrument. You can play rhythm, and you can play a tremolo. Uh, I'm going to be showing you the rhythm. It will be, you know, that's a rhythm. But you can do the same chord and do um, a tremolo.
and that give a different uh, taste. Or uh, you can definitely can do arpeggio or pick at the same chord. It does have a, a, a lot of possibilities, um, and, and that is uh, make it uh, very challenging and very unique. I, it's a little, uh, it's described as a same side probably the ukulele. Um, it have a, um, a, f a five sets of double string, and so pretty much it's, it's, it's a very unique sound like you were mentioning earlier. What inspires you to keep making music? But I have a, this conversation with the priest um, a while ago, and in his uh, point of view as a Christian uh, priest, um, you are gifted, uh, God has given to you um, some gift, uh, and it's not for you to keep it, it's for you to give it away. We need to um, impact in the positive way, um, and, and how um, contagious that could be and how much uh, other people will be uh, considered to bring out what they do have it as a own gift. feel happy uh, for many reasons. Um, do believe the institution has done something wonderful um, with a group of people. They have so much uh, positive energy um, and how helpful can be reaching out to um, immigrants to date uh, one way uh, or another. It's important to feel part, uh, to they feel they are part of it, uh, something, because um, to be, f uh, that feeling is very strong and that can make a huge difference. Hear more episodes and read more about these artists at www.iir.gmu.edu. I am Anna Danielson. And I'm Louise Puck. Thank you for listening to Making a Mark, Making Places.